0: Hi everyone, and a very warm welcome to podcast episode number ninety-one. Today, I'm talking to you about proactive well-being. We all know that doing all that we can to prevent becoming unwell is the best approach when it comes to our physical health and well-being. But have you considered how you are proactively taking care of other aspects of your well-being too? I've always been a bit of a self-development nerd, and sometimes my dive into self-development is about really positive and aspirational and empowering. And yet at other times, it's been a bit of a stick to beat myself up with for not being good enough. And of course, I wouldn't expect it to be any other way because I am, like all of us, a complex human. And I like the idea of having order around my self-development. I like knowing what to focus on and what to do next. I like knowing where I'm headed and I like ticking off my self-development accomplishments to show myself that I'm making progress. And I also tread a very fine line between being in a place of order because I like to have visibility of everything and then stepping over that line into overwhelm. And one of the methods of categorizing self-development that I am embracing right now is the idea of the different dimensions of wellness. Now, there are a number of different categorizations, but the one that I have settled on is these eight areas of wellness. And they are physical wellness, emotional wellness, intellectual wellness, social wellness, spiritual wellness, environmental wellness, occupational wellness, and financial wellness. And essentially, these are different areas of life, and I have done big life audits on them before, and I've enjoyed that. But what I really love is considering them in alignment with wellness, not accomplishments or successes or even happiness, but focusing on wellness. Now, The Global Wellness Institute defines wellness as the active pursuit of activities, choices and lifestyles that lead to a state of holistic health. And The reason for wanting to share this with you on the podcast today is that I massively believe that taking care of our wellness across all of these eight areas is vital to helping us create the relationship with food that we want to have. Because as you've heard me say before, so much of our overeating or emotional eating has nothing to do with wanting to eat food for food's sake and far more with not being physically, emotionally, intellectually, socially, spiritually, environmentally, occupationally or financially well. Many of the women that I work with are professionals in demanding and challenging work environments. Some may consider that they love their job, others not so much. Either way, what they notice when we start working together is that so much of their eating that is contributing to them being overweight is occurring because of how they are thinking and feeling about their work. From always maybe prioritising many aspects of their work ahead of themselves so that they have no capacity for designing a relationship with food that they want, to maybe stress eating at the end of the day to alleviate the tension they feel because of a different work, difficult work colleague, to relief eating because a work meeting that they unknowingly felt anxious about is over. So we go to work on getting them to a higher level of awareness and wellness with regards to how they manage themselves within their work day to day. So as I talk through each of these dimensions of wellness, I want you to consider what's going on in these areas, in these different dimensions of wellness in your life and how they may be impacting your relationship with food. I find that sometimes on a weight loss journey, we reach a bit of a brick wall with making progress by focusing on everything to do with the food and eating. And when we do, sometimes instead of pushing against that wall, of pushing against ourselves, it can be useful to give ourselves a bit of a break and focus on something else that may feel new and interesting, something that is also going to help us change um, fundamentally in a way that will enable us to feel better or more relaxed or more joyful or more embracing of our life, which will ultimately help us with our relationship with food and our weight loss journey too. So I'm going to talk you through the eight areas of wellness and they are again physical, emotional, intellectual, social, spiritual, environmental, occupational and financial. So let's start with physical well-being. So one definition of physical well-being is the ability to maintain a healthy quality of life that allows us to get the most out of our daily activities without undue fatigue or physical stress. And physical well-being is, of course, closely linked to how you're eating. But let's also consider movement, exercise, sleep, hydration and stress management. It's the stuff that we hear about all the time and it's the stuff that sometimes we pay attention to and sometimes we don't. Now, the one part of physical well-being that I want to talk about here is taking responsibility for being aware of your current health, your current physical health state. It intrigues me that I get hassled by my vet if I don't take my dogs for a well-being check every six months. And yet we humans go for months and years not getting ourselves checked out, being maybe even aware that something is up and not doing anything about it. Sometimes we avoid facing up to things that are wrong or could be wrong, that we don't even allow ourselves to think about it consciously. And of course, the reason that we do this is fear, fear of what we may find, fear of being judged. Oftentimes it's fear of being judged for overweight, fear of the discomfort and frustration that we may feel having to go through the process to find out if there's something wrong or something, something that's going on with us from a health perspective, fear of not being taken seriously. Women I work with share all the time about how the frustrations they feel at being taken seriously, listened to, being given the appropriate tests, lead them to emotionally eat and comfort themselves or alleviate their feelings of frustration with food. I think another problem as we get older is that changes in our body, concerns over dodgy looking patches on our skin, maybe a twinge in our breast, our mental fogginess, our you know concerns about our hormones and the menopause. Other female things going on down below. They all come at us thick and fast and it can be easy to just not do anything about it. So I want you to, if you're listening, to ask yourself honestly whether you are worried about anything right now to do with your physical health. And if you are, take that first step to doing something about it. But be prepared to be patient and persistent We all know that health services are struggling right now, now more than ever, so you really are going to want to step into the discomfort of advocating for yourself if it feels uncomfortable for you. I say that because it it feels uncomfortable for me quite frequently, but I really encourage you to take care of yourself, of your physical health in this way. Now, I had no idea when I was going to talk about this podcast. I was going to go there with that topic, but something that I think is really important is something that I feel passionate about. It's one that I've struggled with myself and I still struggle with is reaching out and getting help and support when I'm concerned or worried about something. And if you are in the academy and this is something that resonates with you, I really invite you to um, ask for help and support to get coached on getting yourself in the right mindset for reaching out with getting yourself checked out, helping you to stay purposeful and peaceful as you persist with getting the support that you need for whatever it is that may be bothering you. Okay. Enough said about that and of course there are many 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 other aspects of physical health that you may want to think about, that you may want to focus on, that you know may also be impacting your your eating and your relationship with food. But next up, let's talk about emotional well-being. We all know the challenges of being mentally healthy now more than ever. I suspect that all of us are impacted in some way by mental health challenges, whether that is our own, whether that is the mental health of our, our children, our you know whether it's our teenagers, young adult children, whether it's our partner's mental health or other family members and friends, whether you are struggling with your own mental health or struggling because supporting someone else with theirs is challenging, there are things that you can do every day to help yourself. And one of the things that you can do is apply the work that I share here on the podcast that you learn about inside of the Academy, the tools that you learn to help you with your relationship with food to other aspects of your life to proactively support your emotional well-being. Now, I'm saying that doing daily work such as journaling or thought downloads or mindset models or allowing of emotions, I'm not saying that's going to prevent you from mental illness. But just like exercising in the gym three times a week will not guarantee you won't get sick, but it may very much help you lessen the severity or the extent if you do get sick, the same is true thinking about mental illness. There are lots of things that you can proactively do to help you with your emotional well-being, from breathing exercises and mindfulness, to journaling, to getting out and about and being in nature routinely. To learn more about proactive emotional health and well-being, I encourage you to check out podcast number forty, where we talk about how to increase awareness, your own awareness of your own emotions, how to develop the skill of feeling, allowing, and processing emotional discomfort. We address thinking about, um, thinking of, talking about how your thinking creates your emotions, and not the circumstances in your lives. We talk about leaning into emotional discomfort, and we talk about how to create emotion on purpose. And those are all things that you can do to be proactively helping yourself with your own emotional well-being. Okay, so next up, the next area of well-being that I want to talk about is intellectual well-being. So I recently discovered, and when I say recently, I mean about five years ago, the positive influence proactively focusing on my intellectual well-being has in my life. If you're someone who sometimes feels that the occasions where you eat are the highlight of your day, just like I used to, I encourage you to consider whether focusing on your intellectual well-being might just give you the opportunity to get fulfilment elsewhere. According to one definition of intellectual well-being on Google, it is striving toward good mental health, continued intellectual growth and creativity in life. So intellectual well-being for you might look like continued learning, practicing problem solving, improving verbal skills, keeping abreast of social and political issues, reading books, magazines, newspapers, all the things. For me, I think of intellectual well-being as continuously learning in a fun, demanding, but rewarding way. I discovered 5 years ago that I loved embarking on a new coaching career. I loved learning and discovering new things, and it's crazy to me that this came as such a surprise. Well, it wasn't so much that it was a surprise, it was just that I had forgotten because I had you know, not focused on any sort of learning or intellectual development in so many years. And in fact, the last time prior to that, that I had done was when I was on maternity leave with, with my daughter. So 16 years ago now, 11 years before that, when I started studying for a diploma in nutritional therapy and I loved it. But unfortunately, I returned to work. I gave it up because there's just no way I could work full time and take care of two young children and study. But now I actually have to be really careful and stop myself from signing up for new courses and certifications and instead focus on embedding my learning into being a part of a daily practice, which often looks like listening to podcasts, watching YouTubes, reading books, all those sorts of things. So if you're not actively learning anything new right now, then I encourage you to pause and see if maybe this could be an area that you want to focus on. And it could be focusing on something creative, or it could be sporting, or it could be more academic. It doesn't matter at all. It's just giving yourself the opportunity to evolve and develop, which we humans innately are programmed to do. Okay, next up is social well-being. Now, one definition of social well-being is a sense of belonging to a community and making contribution to a society. Social well-being can also be defined as the sharing, developing and sustaining of meaningful relationships with others. Social well-being is another area of my well-being that I plan to pay a little more attention to over the the next few years. Some of my ready-made social circles from office colleagues, kids, parents at sporting and other events have been in decline in recent years as my life has moved on and they've not really been replaced with anything. So connection with others is important. It's in our DNA. We humans are a tribal species and a sense of belonging is important to us. In fact, we did a class on connection just last month in the academy and we looked at addressing how to increase awareness of the current connections we have in our life and learning how we can create new and different connections to make our lives even more fulfilling. And meaningful connection can also help sort of, you know, stayed off loneliness Something that we've been talking about a lot this week, with it being Loneliness Awareness Week in the UK. Um, For more thoughts about loneliness and the connection between loneliness and overeating, do check out last week's podcast where I talk about that in detail. The idea of being proactive, taking responsibility for your social well-being may not come naturally to you. I think we sometimes assume a passiveness about our social circles and wait for them to magically appear, but I encourage you to not let it be that way. Instead, take some time to think about what a 10 out of 10 for social wellness would look like for you. Would you like to have a small number of deep and meaningful social connections and relationships or a larger, less intense maybe network of friends and people to connect with? Next up then is spiritual wellness. Now, spiritual wellness is, according to Google, about being connected to something greater than yourself and having a set of values, principles, morals and beliefs that provide a sense of purpose and meaning to life, and then using those principles to guide your actions. Whether you consider yourself to be religious, connected to the universe, or consider yourself to have an awareness and appreciation for something else meaningful to you, there is evidence to demonstrate that it will have a positive effect on your life, including longevity, improved emotional state a stronger immune system, reduced risk of disease, improved self-confidence and fitness, and also provide a strong support system. And so I encourage you to also consider this area of your life and whether it may be something that you want to focus on, to enhance, to develop, and also consider, again, what we're talking about here is how all of these different aspects of our well-being, when we focus on them, when we develop them, when we involve them, when we enhance them, can all help us Not turn to food to feel better at various times or in various life circumstances. Next up is environmental wellness. This is another area that gets interpreted very differently depending on your focus. So many explanations of environmental wellness on Google focus on learning about and contributing to the health of the planet. Environmental wellness is described as living an environmentally conscious lifestyle by reducing, reusing and recycling whenever possible. And for some of us, environmental wellness is intrinsically linked to our own feelings of wellness because we like who we are and how we show up as an environmentally conscious person. And by being environmentally aware in this way, we can be demonstrated in our own personal environment, in our own home and garden and work, which, as I said, is a significant part of our personal environment. But it is our personal environment I want you to focus on for the purposes of considering proactive well-being as I'm referring to it here today so that it may be that the global environment is a part of that and an important part of that for you or it may be that it's not and either of those is okay. I also want you to consider how your personal environment hinders or contributes to your well-being both physical and emotional and that in turn contributes to your relationship with food from being aware of toxins in your environment and reducing those For example, I have to be very careful what cleaning products we use at home so that my asthma doesn't get triggered. To noticing how you feel when your house is organised compared to how you feel when you consider it a mess. And you might even want to sort of take this to the next level in terms of being directly related to food by thinking about how differently you feel when your fridge or your food cupboards or your pantry is organised compared to when it's not. By the way, it's important to note here that the only thing that matters is not The tidiness of your house, but how you feel about the tidiness of your house. It's not a case that the more tidy or the more better organized you are, the better. Some of you will find a highly organized environment stressful because you put an expectation on yourself to maintain it. Others of you would find a home where everything wasn't neat and tidy more stressful. There is no right or wrong or better. The key thing here is that you know yourself, that you know the environments you want to create in your life to aid your well being from your car to your desk, from your garden to your wardrobe. And then next up, we have occupational wellness. Now, I spoke about this a little bit in the beginning. I gave some examples of how occupational wellness or lack of wellness can really impact our relationship with food. So this is a biggie for many of us. We spend so many hours of our day, days of the week and years of our life at work. It is fundamentally important that we do work that lights us up. Now, I don't want to paint a rose-tinted view of our working lives. There are always going to be aspects of most jobs that are tedious or difficult or just unpleasant. But if you don't enjoy doing what you do most of the time, it's time to take a look at what is going on for you. It's so easy to feel stuck and trapped in our profession and career. We carry on for years because, of course, we tell ourselves that we have to pay the bills. And we think that there is no alternative to doing anything than what we're doing. Sometimes when we feel a little stagnant in our work, it's not so much the work that's the problem, it's that we don't feel in control of what we're doing and how we're spending our time. So we kind of go on autopilot and just don't think about it consciously and just do what we do. A process of evaluating your work life, your career, at least once a year is fundamentally important. Sometimes we can get stuck Doing work that we don't enjoy and the reason for our lack of enjoyment is just one tiny portion of our work role, but it taints everything. But it doesn't need to be that way. When you empower yourself to take action and proactively think about what you want, you've taken your first step towards making it happen. And finally, the last area of wellness is financial. Now, financial wellness is defined on Google as the overall financial health of an individual as it's how you manage your economic life. And Google also says that as your financial wellness increases, so should your quality of life, which is interesting, isn't it? Google also says financial wellness is important because it equips us with the knowledge and skills we need to manage more effectively. Keeping track of expenses and making a budget and sticking to it are important skills to have in order to be financially responsible and independent. Now, I was brought up Being told not to talk about money, which is fascinating because even talking to you now about financial wellness, I can notice a little discomfort in my body and the accompanying thought of I don't know what to say and where to start with talking about financial wellness. And as I think that, my next thought is, well, I guess my financial wellness isn't so great. For many of us, talking about money and finances evokes a lot of emotion within us and a lot of judgment and a lot of fear and a lot of sometimes feeling out of control. So with regards to financial wellness, I think there are probably three areas where if I was looking at this for me, I might focus. And they are, number one, financial organization and skills. And this is all the budgeting, paying bills on time, all of those things. Number two is financial mindset, which would be about dressing my money beliefs and stories that are innate within me from my upbringing and money experiences. And then number three would be looking at creating wealth. And when considering this last one, I like to think of wealth as a plentiful supply of a particularly desirable thing. So for some of us, wealth may be money in the bank. For others of us, it may be other investments that are meaningful to us. Or for others of us, it may be that wealth equates to freedom. However, we define that. And so being financially healthy is all about the freedom that we create in our lives. So lots for you to think about that. I encourage you to pause this podcast and just consider for a moment how you would rate your well-being in each of those areas. So just to recap again, they were physical, emotional, intellectual, social, spiritual, environmental, occupational, and financial. And the way that I like to do this evaluation is this. I like to give each area a rating or a ranking out of 10, a rating out of 10. And then I like to ask myself, To describe what it would be, what would be different if I was to award myself a 10 in each area. So, for you, what would uh, giving yourself a 10 for each of those areas look like? What would be the physical differences in your life and what would be different about how you thought about those areas and what emotions would you be feeling? And then, thirdly, pick one to spend more time focusing on. And it doesn't necessarily be or shouldn't be the area with the worst ranking, it should be the one you want to focus on. Okay. So that is what I wanted to talk to you about today. I want to wish you an amazing week. I would love to hear what comes up for you when you listen to this podcast and what area of well-being you decide to work on. So email me, message me, tell me what's happening with you. Take care and I look forward to speaking to you next week. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and are ready to live a more intentional life, lose weight as a part of that journey and create a relationship with food and yourself that you love, then I would be honoured to have you join the Lose Weight Live Life Academy membership, and Coach With Me. The programme offers different levels of support to suit you, including self-paced learning, twice-weekly calls, private coaching, an amazingly caring community, and lots more. Find out all the details about when and how you can join at www.thebestyou.coach/coaching.